Welcome to the Inside OU Podcast, brought to you by New Balance of Edmond, featuring Keegan Renault from SoonersWire.com, powered by USA Today, and Brady Trantham. Hello, Brady. Bob Stoops here. Appreciate the great Sooner fan that you are and have been for all these years. Boomer Sooner. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Inside OU Podcast, Thursday edition, free edition for all of our freebie listeners who we love Almost as equally as our patrons, but uh, hopefully the freebie listeners know uh, we have to love our patron listeners a little bit more. But if you want to just be loved just a 2% more by Keegan and I, uh, don't hesitate to... 10%. Don't hesitate to uh, subscribe and pledge to the Patreon page. We put out an awesome show on Tuesday. I thought it was one of our better shows, Keegan, and uh, we covered all the transfer stuff, all the Mike Stoop stuff, everything under the sun for OU football. And today... At Vanessa House, like we always are on Thursdays, where I am drinking my favorite beer that finally returned, made its triumphant return, the Destination Wedding Cerveza. Oh, my God, it's good. It's so good. I don't care that it's 32 degrees outside in this shitty weather. I don't care. I'll drink it. It is cold out. It's cold. I'm not I'm not. Do you know what the name of the sour is? The Slush Fund? (laughs) Or the... The oh. uh, new beer that Vanessa has. Oh, boy. And I'm supposed to know that. I'm supposed to know. We're going to have to fix this in post. Anyways, it's good. I'm not a sour guy, but it's really, really good. I like it. I know you're drinking your uh, Destination Wedding. I've got my uh, lager. It's a Thursday night at Vanessa House, Brady. Big news. Big week for Oklahoma. Yes. Big week because, of co- actually, here it is. The slurp juice. That's what it was. I... I I thought it was slurp something. I didn't want to guess wrong and say slurp because it's kind of, it's like slurp is one of those words that's like moist where if you just say it without context, it's kind of gross. You know, we are joined by royalty tonight. Yes. Um, kind he, of. He may not know it. No, he doesn't. Uh, he, he did not. I guess there's no consent here, but Joe Castiglione is sitting 22 feet away from us. So uh, friend of the pod, Joe Castiglione. Maybe friend of the pod. We probably should have gotten him on. And that's on me. I have the relationship here. Yeah, I you, screwed this up. You two are the one that have relations. I don't. I don't have relations I've, with Joe Castiglione. I, th- I believe I've talked to Joe twice. May have hit him up the week of the West Virginia game, but uh, no. Outside of that, uh, you know, it's, you're lying because there was no West Virginia game. You that's liar. A, well, that yeah. No, good call. Yeah, good call. Uh, yeah. Anyways, no, Brady. It's a. Uh, it's an exciting time. It's exciting times. I know. We're raiding Tennessee's roster once again, Keegan. It's a beautiful – are we going to get that damn dog? Huh? You got, oh, steal uh, – what's the Smokey? Oh, It's a good dog. He, he's a good, good dog. Bobby. Might as well, though, right? Have him run out with Boomer and Sooner before the games. <laughs> I should tweet that out. Well, look, remember you remember the Cali trio, right? Brendan Clay, Kenny yeah. Stills, Tony Jefferson. What are we going to call this trio? The Tenny trio? Like what, the what? value meal, I don't. The happy meal, is that what we're gonna call it? It's got to be something <laughs> McDonald's related. Because you know what's funny, right? You know why? You know Eric Gray didn't play against Texas A&M, right? Oh yes, your second or third favorite school, Texas A&M. We'll go. Oh, that's great. We do get to go over that at the end. I yeah. forgot we we talked about that. Anyways, yeah. no, he uh, he didn't play against Texas A&M at the end of the year for. Uh, let's just say. I mean, it's reported out there that he was a part of the NCAA investigation. Yeah, that's going on with Tennessee. Hey, Zach, Zach, slush fund. Talk about the slurp, slurp your. Yeah, yeah. 
So Slurp Juice is coming. I'm going to take this down. Slurp Juice is coming out next week. So next Friday, it's going to be a fruited IPA with a lot of pineapple. Um, it's really good, tasty. It's a nice blend between uh, a New England IPA that's hazy, a little bit fruity from the hops, and then some added fruit. Uh, it's a cult classic, a favorite of ours, uh, and it's coming back. It's coming back to stay. So get your frou-frou asses over here and get that, get that nice little beer next to your lips. Feel better about yourself. But, yes... Where were we? Eric Gray? We were just getting into the Tennessee talk. Yeah, did, so Keish, did Key Lawrence commit before we did the Tuesday pod? I think so. I think that was like one of the but last But we haven't talked about him on the uh, freebie, on the free one. No, no. Key Lawrence certainly is a player that uh, did not play a lot in terms of, I mean, he was a freshman. And to give him a ton of expectation would be a little bit unfair. But just like I said on the Patreon page to you, Keegan, on uh, Tuesday, the importance here is that OU is no longer in a position where they have their starters, and in the event that any of their starters starts to play bad and has to get benched, they're not benching them with 18-year-old, five foot Bingo. nine, five foot ten, 180 no, pounder. No need to go players. after Buki like that. I, I'm just saying, like that—that that was what the cycle sure. was no, for the it. last five, six years. Absolutely. And now, like, because you ideally never want to have to replace a starter because that means that something bad is happening. And if you have to replace a starter, you're probably replacing him with an inexperienced young, younger player who is probably going to make mistakes as well. But as we talk about time after time, when you're, when you're talking about getting higher-rated players, better players for your system, the importance is increasing your margin for error. And so I don't know what Key Lawrence is going to do day one once he gets, steps on campus at OU. I don't know what he's going to be doing day one of the 2021 season. I don't know what his impact will be, but I'm telling you right now, the impact will be made on the practice field. The impact will be made in him and other players that are like vying for playing time, pushing the starters to be better, or if you're not better, then sorry, you just lost your job. Yeah, we talked about a little bit about this on Tuesday. Uh, you know, you're look when you look at Key Lawrence and what he's going to bring to the table at 6'2", 200, 210 pounds, probably could get up to 215. He plays the box really well, but at the first part of the year at Tennessee as a freshman last year, he was playing corner. So this is a guy that can turn and run. He's got great hips. Um, so he I, di I didn't look at him that much though. I didn't. I didn't look him up and down. <laughs> I'm speechless. Um, anyways, he's got great hips. Guy can turn and run. He can play in the box. I think his most natural position in Oklahoma's defense is where Pat Fields plays, which is a, it's a tough position to play. And I've I've gone over this ad nauseum since. Grinch has been in Oklahoma. That position may be the most important position on the field for yep. their defense. It's the quarterback of the defense, gets them lined up, uh, gets them in position, uh, gets the calls in. So I don't think it would be crazy if you were Oklahoma, Brady, to put him and just let him shadow Pat Fields for an entire year. Because if you can get an athlete like that to play where Pat Fields plays, to where he can make plays on the football, to where he can – you know, be the last resort in the run game. He can come up and run fits. He can play aggressive. He can do this. He can do that. That's going to help Oklahoma out a lot. It elevates the ceiling of your secondary when you have a player that can do that at that position. Now, Key Lawrence is another guy I think definitely fits playing nickelback, um, which you hear me say a lot. Basically, every guy that's over 6'1 that can't run as yeah. well, you'll hear me say he's going to be a nickel at Oklahoma. <laughs> that's been a joke. Uh, Stephen A., when you hear this, you'll you'll love that. But you know, I it, it's it's a great gift for Oklahoma. One, he's from the city of Nashville, loaded area for talent. 
You already got Woody Washington out of there. Reggie Grimes. Was Woody the best player out of Tennessee that yeah, year? Yeah, number one player of the state of Tennessee. Goodness. Yeah. They. Uh, so not only, and I know we'll get into Eric Gray next, but with Key Lawrence, I just thought it was so funny. Immediately he commits to Oklahoma. Oklahoma offers three kids in the state of Tennessee. <laughs> Isn't Sorry. it great? Sorry, Josh. Yo, it's so funny because, like, OU plays Nebraska in the next two years. So Lincoln goes and offers two kids from the state of Nebraska. Lincoln's recruiting three kids from Bishop Gorman, so he brings in a Bishop Gorman quarterback as a transfer. <laughs> I mean, the guy is playing freaking chess right now in college football. <laughs> it's all it, it's it, and I said this. It really is fun to watch it unfold. It really is, just from the aspect of people like me and you that follow all this stuff very closely to a detail. Like we notice that stuff. Yeah, but outside of Oklahoma ground, Oklahoma people aren't people don't understand that Lincoln is basically extending his web, extending his you know umbrella for Oklahoma, and he's doing it in a very calculated way. And landing a guy like Key Lawrence out of the city of Nashville and a major player that's going to help Oklahoma out a lot, it's going to pay dividends here soon. Oh boy, I mean we're getting to a point now with 2021, which already had high expectations. Which I mean, fans like me, Keegan, we're we're excited for it, but it's getting to a point now where it's like, no it's, excuses, no excuses, and it's getting to a point where, I mean, I, I'm so conditioned to temper my expectations because of what has happened, but this is now Lincoln Riley's team. Mike's guys have basically been phased out. This is Lincoln Riley's complete team. This is now going to be Alex Grinch's complete defense. This is going to be his system. Everybody knows what the standard is. And so it even makes me think wild, crazy things, Keegan. Like, you know what? I don't know if that one random loss during the season is going to happen because this this appears to be different. Now, so much can change. I mean, we thought OU was awesome after they destroyed what's-his-name uh, in the first game of the year. And then they lost Kansas State and then they lost to Iowa State. Yep. So, so much can change once the season gets here. You're obviously hoping for no injuries, nobody getting in trouble, like big shakeups like that. You're obviously hoping not for any of that. But as it stands on paper with, I mean, Congle coming, and I know he's just more of a depth guy than anything, uh, being a former walk-on, the guy from uh, Arizona. Um, but with the Tennessee trio of players, it's just getting to a point now where OU has so much talent. And the talent that they lost, which was great, Ramondre Stevenson and Ronnie Perkins are guys you don't want to lose. But OU is now at a position where if they're losing guys like that, they're just going to replace them with guys who are just as talented, who are chomping the bit for playing time, and an opportunity to prove it. And we haven't been able to say that at least not wide receiver or quarterback, any other position, or maybe offensive line, since 2006, 2007? Yeah, it, it's been a while that you sit here and you feel better about Oklahoma's defense than you do about Oklahoma's offense. I mean, that front six has got – I mean, Josh Ellison, I realized – I did. I forgot. You real, Remember, he was just a true sophomore this year? I know. Good I think Lord. you. I think you tweeted that out yesterday, and even I was like, oh, boy. Yeah, so <laughs> yes. he, So he's just sophomore. But you take Laurent Stokes, you have Nick Benito, you have Jalen Redmond, Perrion Winfrey, and Isaiah Thomas with Brian Osamoa and David Aguebu. That's seven NFL guys for next year on in that front. Now, Oklahoma's we're, offense. We're, we're, we're even getting away from the whole. Well, you can't go to Oklahoma and play defense because they won't get you drafted. Like OU's about to have 
a handful of players sprinkled into the, the next two drafts. Yeah, so if you look at it from an outside perspective, or not outside perspective, if you look at it a big view, I tweet this out, that Oklahoma, the most they've ever had drafted in a single year is 12 in 2004, I believe, or 2005, that one makes, of those two drafts. That makes sense. That drop-off from 04 to 05 was very visible. Yeah, <laughs> so 2019, after the 2018 season, they had eight, and that was the most since that year. Well, you just go down the list. you got Rattler. You've got Brooks, you've got Robinson, Hayes. That's four right there in the front. You've got Jaden, Austin Stogner, Jaden Hayeswood, Tredron Bridges could all be are all going to be draft eligible. They have big years; they're gone. I mean, you're talking about anywhere between twelve to eighteen guys getting drafted next year off this team, which that's what LSU had. I mean, that's again, you don't need like you know. You look at the guys that Oklahoma's recruited; they're all highly recruited, but these aren't all five-star guys. Like, these are just blue-chip recruits, man. And, like, they're getting the most out of them. I know we're about to get into Eric Gray here in a sec, but, like, it's just crazy to look at it from that perspective that, you know, you got all the Senior Bowl stuff going on. you got NFL draft stuff's really taking up. And then you start looking at it for next year for Oklahoma. And I can tell you, for, I've talked to three people now at the NFL level. I do NFL Two of them do NFL draft stuff. One's higher than that. And there is a large eye on Norman next year. I mean, big eye. They think like four guys with five, no, sorry, five guys with first round ceilings. Like that's insane. Hell. Oh, you might even have their kicker drafted. You know, he's got, you know, like I know he's played for three years next year. He's got two more years left after that. Yeah. The blanket waiver. Yeah. The blanket waiver applies not just for this year. It just applies for everybody that played. Right. So will we classify them as like, so say they were sophomores last year. Are we already classing them as sophomores, or do you know? Do you, have you read enough? Is this something that like you get to your fifth year? Okay, I want to play another one. Then you go. I was playing during COVID, and they sign a waiver, and you get your sixth year. Or do we classify them already as just sophomores? Like I've been so confused by that. I, I would just go ahead and so since we're talking about Gay Burkich, I would just, I'm going to say that he's a junior, and then if he comes back to play his senior year, I'm going to say he's a senior, and then if he decides that he wants to play for that extra year, then I'm just going to say that he's a senior again. And then if anybody asks any more about a kicker, I'm going to question like their sanity. But if they do ask, I'll be like, oh, he, he played during the COVID year. That's why he's able to – he's got the Jason White extra year. So, I mean, Oklahoma, I guess, Austin Cyber got drafted. So, um, it wouldn't be anything uncommon. But, it's again, it's just crazy. Um, you know, I, well, I guess we need to touch on this. I've You know, I haven't confirmed this as second-hand information. Um, I know there's some reports out there today about Wanye Morris making in the Norman this weekend, and as well, you know, getting to Oklahoma the next next week or so. Uh, I think you know whenever you're talking about him and his situation, I would assume that he's going to be a, like he's going to be enrolled and then start working out in by night into next week. You know, so it's going to be interesting to see kind of how all that unfolds. And I, but I think you know, whenever you're looking at it right now, everything's fine. He's going to be in Norman, um, so it's nothing. I don't think anything crazy there. And he's your starting left tackle. I've been able, and we're about to get into Eric Gray, and we can talk. Talk. Oh, that's one touch. Wanye Morris's PFF grades this year were not very good, but whenever. And you why st- is that? Did he not study? No, I don't know. But it's obvious and apparent that we need to start taking their offensive line grades like 
nothing. Like, they're nothing. Because Wanya Morris was, yeah. like, he missed five days. Of, he, he only practiced five days because of COVID during fall camp. Like, he wasn't in shape. Like, you don't – that's the thing is you have to account for all that. Like, again, we were all saying, well, it's clear Oklahoma's offensive line looks out of shape. Well, a lot of them missed fall camp. So, or missed a lot portions of fall camp because of COVID. So, yep. Wanya Morris, though, during that tape, I know we're, I'll let you introduce him, but, man, he was – he is unbelievable, man. Yeah, and uh, look, Wanya Morris – I have high expectations for like more so than Key Lawrence, just just from the standpoint of he's played more. And uh, the West of Everest guys, uh, Lee and Grant Benson, did a good job of basically setting the stage that if you hear anything like disparaging about Wani Morris's sophomore year, please understand that a lot of Tennessee people kind of put him in the same boat that you and I put Trey Norwood in at the beginning of the season, where Trey Norwood didn't practice for what three or four weeks because of contact tracing. Apparently, Wania Morris got contact traced a ton last year. Now, is do we know that for a fact? No, but that's what Tennessee people are saying. Well, on and, the, and does uh, that explain like maybe a sophomore slump? Not a hundred percent, but at the same time, know where he's coming from. Team was sucky. Team was bad. The direction was bad. And if he did miss time, if he did miss practicing, I mean, OU fans should be well versed in seeing what an offensive line unit can look like if they're not in shape, if they're not 100% conditioned mm-hmm. to the standard. And even missing a week or two can do that. I mean, the Baylor game's a perfect example where they just had one bad, terrible week, and they looked like dog crap a lot of that game. Yeah, so on the Missouri-Tennessee broadcast, which was Wanye's first game to start, they mentioned that he only practiced five times during fall camp of the 30 days or however many allotted days it is. So, yeah, it's, not, it's no surprise – you have to remember, too, like, he didn't get a spring. He didn't get a summer. So, you know, you get COVID, you're really not f- in full shape during uh, training camp. So I, I, I think it's going to be fine. But obviously, Brady, the big news yesterday, Oklahoma brings in a running back, yeah. a guy that's 50 shades of, of Eric Gray. Kind of familiar, like, tape-wise, you know? Like, like he's – I think we came to the same conclusion, at least when I when I said it to you, yeah. your eyes kind of perked up, where I was like, he looks, he appears to be, and I would hope listeners of this podcast know that I thank the world T.J. Pledger. Like, I was, I was a big T.J. Pledger fan, but from what I've seen of Eric Gray, he appears to be T.J. Pledger with a much higher ceiling. Yeah, he's got a lot of juice, man. He, yep. he, it's like... He's like a poor man's version of, like, Sony Michelle with Georgia. Yeah. He's smaller. He's more built like Pledger, but he plays a lot like Michelle does. Um, he wants contact. He's not afraid of it. He's got enough speed to take the house, you know, to blow the doors off a of defense. He's great inside the tackles out of, as a 5'9 running back, 5'10 running back. And the most important thing here is that, I don't. The thing I think uh, the thing I think Oklahoma's been missing Brady is a guy at running back that can line up out wide. Like Eric Gray can do that. Like if Oklahoma got in split back on the first play of a drive, they and even with a tight end on the field, like they could go that whole drive now and keep the same personnel on the field because you can just swing him out to, to wide receiver. 
So he brings a lot of value to Oklahoma. He's got more top-end speed than Pledger. He's got a little more juice, um, probably a lot more juice than Pledger. But, again, it, it's a, it's another big get for Oklahoma. And they the most important part of this is that, like, do I think Eric Gray is a guy that could be a draft eligible, you know, gone? Maybe. But the most important, I think he's going to be a Norman for a couple years. Yeah. So Which – I guess takes a little bit of the stink away from losing out on two consecutive five-star running backs. One well, of which, one of which we, we may talk about. Yeah, we don't. I don't know. So I, we'll definitely get into that at the end. I, I just, just I'm, in I'm case, just, sure. in ca- just in case you don't know, um, I would just suggest I am, I am not a subscriber of Sooner Scoop, but I listen to the Sooner Scoop Pod, the unofficial forty, because I'm an OU fan, like every other OU fan. I listen to it. And they mentioned that Kamar Wheaton might not be Alabama and might be looking elsewhere. So that's that's what we're referring to. I don't know anything more than that, but I would suggest if you want to know more about that, unless Keegan has been withholding info from me, no. go, go subscribe to Sooner Scoop. <laughs> no, well, one, subscribe to Sooner Scoop. They, they're the best in the biz. Two, what we knew about Kamar Wheaton and what happened around signing day, is it shocking to you that Oklahoma's getting back involved there? I mean, they basically said, beep this, but f*** you, we're done. Like, Oklahoma did that. With like, Kamar? Yeah, like, we're done. And You have to get to a point where it's like, dude, shit, I got off the pot. Yeah, and so it's shocking to me that that's happening. But to kind of get back in the gray, it's important that he's back for two years, Brady. It's important that's a guy that's going to impact in 2021. And, you know, I, I think whenever you look at it, like Oklahoma again is now in a much better position than they were before they landed him. So they were in a much better position when they're before, or, you know, after they landed Wanya Morris, and they're a much better position now that they landed Eric Gray. Yeah, it's those things are important, and I know like even people were like, oh well, they you know they, they it was great great strategy, Lincoln. You only signed sixteen guys, so you can bring in all these transfers, and it's like, well, they were going to sign twenty one, they just whiffed on the last five. It's not like it's it's not it's not like yeah. Lincoln and these guys strategize well, waiting for a transfer. It's like, well, though we were going to take them regardless of the fact that we lost these guys. I feel like I I mean that's true. Like you're exactly right. But I think it's important to mention that I can remember all the way back in the summer when Lincoln was giving you guys those random media availabilities when we didn't know if we were going to have a fall season. Yeah. He was already talking about the importance of. I mean, tran- the transfer portal might be very important this year, more so than it ever has been. Sure. And OU's been a school that has utilized the transfer portal probably better than anybody else just because of the obvious examples that we can point to. Yeah. I, but I, th- I think the other side of the coin is, like, you're right, they whiffed on the last five, but, what, two or three of them were guys that they probably didn't expect to even be in that position two or three just months before. Just a Mecca, Buka, that's it. The other ones, Kamar, Tristan, Tristan Lee, Lee um, Oklahoma thought they were going to get. Because I thought Tristan Lee – I have no doubt OU was involved like early on with Tristan Lee, but I, I think that became more – I thought that just became more of a – like we could actually get this guy mainly because of Caleb Williams. Well, it, I mean, it was a long process. Like you're right. Like beforehand, no. Then add Caleb to the mix, yes. But that was back in, you know, February, March, whenever the word about Caleb was coming. With Lee, Oklahoma was involved with to the very end. Oklahoma thought they were going to get him. Yep. O- Oklahoma thought they were going to get Kamar Wheaton. Oklahoma thought they were going to get a Mecca Oklahoma thought they were going to do this. They were going to do that. Bryce Foster, another name. Um, so, again, so this is where we're at, Brady. Um, f- you know, finish up 
the Eric Gray stuff. Oklahoma is at 90 scholarships for 2021. That's it. They could actually hold 110 if they want. <laughs> and they have 90. Yeah. And they are currently at 84 scholarships for 2022. So, um, obviously, I've got – I think I, I didn't count this up, but I believe I've got over 20 players highlighted as transfers or NFL departures. So, Oklahoma's going to be able to take a monster class this year. I mean, monster class. Well, I mean, I would hope so. Hopefully, there's no whiffing involved. But Whiffing I, or wafting? Wafting. With waff. No, I guess my last thing on Eric Gray would just be, just from an optic standpoint, and just like I told you before we went on, Kennedy Brooks, Seth McGowan, Marcus Major, they're three backs that basically do the same things. They're both tall. They're all tall. They're all big, and they run fairly upright. They're your run of the like. They're they're your classic running back. And Kennedy Brooks, to me, is his ceiling is that of an all conference running back. Like if he, if we looked at a crystal ball right now, and it was Kennedy Brooks is the first team All Big Twelve running back, it wouldn't shock me. It just, it wouldn't. Even though I don't think that highly of him, he's that he's just that talented. Seth McGowan's still a little bit more of a kind of a wait-and-see thing, but he does have a high ceiling in my opinion. Marcus Major, to me, is going to be the guy that you look for to after spring football probably to transfer. That's just my opinion. I think it's more than an opinion. I've, I've heard some talk that Gray coming in is going to have an impact on that running back room. Now, can Oklahoma convince some people to stay this spring? Yes. But it would not surprise me at all, Brady, if you know, we're looking at a three-running back room and Mikey Henderson being the fourth guy. I mean, I, I actually feel pretty strongly that that's what's going to end up happening. So they like Seth McGowan. Um, we've got some intel on that that <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to – I know I just teased it, but they like Seth McGowan a lot, but he's going to be in Norman for a while. Yeah. Um, you know, so I I think that you know whenever you talk about you know adding Gray, there is some you know trickle down effect to it. Like and even with Keyshawn Lawrence, like Lawrence could have a trickle down effect on a guy like Bryson Washington. Like that shouldn't shock anybody. That's not on any inside in from any in, nothing like what I just said about Marcus Major. This is based pure speculation. But like if Lawrence goes and takes a spot, like there's gonna be a guy that transfers and Washington is good enough to play somewhere. So. It's going to be interesting to see how that all unfolds. Uh, I did want to note, I, I'm pulling up the University of Oklahoma schedule academic calendar again real quick. But I believe today or tomorrow on Friday, January 29th, is the last day to enroll into classes without pr- pr- professor's permission. Oh, so, man. That's- so Eric Gray, they're going to have to do some work for Eric Gray and Wanye Morris that aren't in Norman. Um so I'm interested to see how that's all going to unfold. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah, no, like, again, like, Eric Gray just to me is a back that is just – he's just different than the other three that OU currently has. And I think versatility is important. It's a good change of pace guy. I, I don't know what the ceiling is for Eric Gray because I'm not that well versed in him, but I welcome him with absolute open arms. Let's shift gears real quick, Keegan, to something that we didn't even really bring up or kind of prep for. But it's something that, uh, of course, has come about in the last 24 hours. 
Um, I guess we can hit the quick bullet point one first. Mike Stoops got hired <laughs> at FAU. He's going to Boca Raton as the defensive coordinator, not as an analyst, not as a an assistant, but as the defensive coordinator. So just like I said on Twitter, even though everybody knows I'm not the biggest Mike Stoops fan at all, uh, I I kind I like when human beings who get treated rather unfairly are able to land on their feet. And just like I said on Patreon, I was not worried for I was not worried at all for um, Mike Stoops. I was not worried at all, but he's hired, so he's got a job. He's employed. Yay! Everything is right in the world. But Josh Heupel, should we talk about old Josh right now? Interesting, right? Like, huh, yeah, uh, good point. But uh, it's interesting. I, I think you know, you you talk about the fracture that's within, you know, with him and Oklahoma, and it's sad to see, you know, a guy that won a national championship, kind of hero at Oklahoma that now doesn't have a relationship with him. Um, but what I think is the most intriguing part of this is one, Lincoln just took three of his best players. Two, Lincoln's invading the state of Tennessee now and three Tennessee comes to Norman in four years or OU goes <laughs> to Knoxville in four years is he going to be the head coach still you know like I think so because like they're obviously for the first year going to be going through NCAA investigation so he's got a free year or two and then I would assume in three years from now they're going to want but the, he's bringing a good staff with him. Like he's bringing a lot of the guys that he had on the offensive staff at UCF, and those guys were good, you know. So, but the difference is that Josh isn't a good recruiter. I mean, he's just not. It's not like they recruited well at UCF. It's not like that he recruited well at Oklahoma. Um, you know. So I, I hope. Like my hope is that it. He's fine. You know. Like, I think you look at the SEC East. I mean, you catch Georgia in a down year, pretty good. I mean, I don't know when that's going to happen. Not well, not this year, but maybe the next couple of years you can catch them. You know, lose JT Daniels. Oh, sorry, they're bringing in Brock Vandegrift. Never mind. Regardless, <laughs> just erase everything I just said in the last thirty seconds to a minute. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I put this on Twitter, and I, you agree with me? I I think Shane Beamer is going to have more success at South Carolina than Heupel is going to have at Tennessee. Oh boy! You see what Beamer did? By the way, it was really cool. Uh, with their schedule, he, he didn't throw the uh, he didn't. Th- <laughs> oh boy, he didn't throw the compliance thing under the bus again, did he? No. Well, one, I thought it was funny. Oklahoma offered the number one player in the state of South Carolina this last week, which is hilarious. Joe John Finley comes in as Shane Beamer's replacement and hires one of the best recruits out of the state of South Carolina. That's great. Love that. Two. So they, with their schedule announcement. They just have, like, a Gamecock village outside of their stadium for, like, COVID, um, you know, people dealing, you know, doing vaccines, you know, doing tests, doing whatever. So Beamer and South Carolina went down there and had the, uh, you know, first responders announce their schedule. I thought that was really cool. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, he gets it. He he knows what he's doing. You, you see how he's taking advantage of social media. Um, so, yeah, you you see he's going to be really good down there. I'm I'm excited to see how like that whole division is going to unfold in the next three to four years because it's just I mean Dan Mullins, Florida's going to be bad this year. I mean bad. 
bad, bad, bad. Well, um, and I know we're going to get into some of those schedules here at the end, but I, uh, I, I, I think Heupel's going to be okay. Like, I, I don't think it's going to be as detriment. Like, if they're good, Tennessee can recruit itself. We've seen that. They're, they're basically Texas. They're yep. Texas and Tennessee. So, I mean, if they're good, he'll be able to recruit itself. The problem, again, if you're the head coach of Tennessee, is the SEC screwed them over at the very beginning whenever they made a cross-division rival with Alabama. I mean, you can't do anything against that. I mean, that's an automatic loss if you're Tennessee every single year until you get – unless you put an elite roster together. And, I mean, as long as Saban's there, they're not going to. Yeah, um, I, I hope Josh has success. And I don't know. I, I want to save the Josh. I actually want to save the Josh Heupel conversation for Tuesday and Patreon because everybody kind of understands my stance on Mike. No one really – I don't think I've ever really given my stance on Josh Heupel. So let's sit on that for a while. And also I do want to point out to our, um, some patrons that have been asking questions on our Patreon page. We're going to answer your questions on the Tuesday pod. So fear not. We will get to you. We touched on Kamar, right? Yeah. So we touched on Kamar. Start on Kamar. Yeah. You know, I I think, you know, one of the other things that we were going to talk about tonight was about schedules um, kind of being released around the country. And I may be escaping something, uh, maybe mistaking something. Um, I, I think, you know, whenever you're talking about, the, you know, around the country, it's going to be very important to take note uh, of what's happening because it's going to have a direct impact on on Oklahoma season, what Oklahoma's future could look like. So um, I, I pointed this out. The SEC released their schedules. Uh, I went through it, went through all of them. Um, there's a couple of them that are a little off the wall that some people will disagree with me about, which that's okay. I mean, it's not anything new. You know, I – not surprised, but you know, and you know, I, I think when you look at Alabama and you look at the you know the the teams in the SEC next year are going to be Alabama, they're going to be Georgia, um, and LSU, uh, it, it, and crazy enough, Texas A&M. Uh, Brady's not here right now, so I, I I won't get that you know feedback from him. But let's let's take a quick look at A&M or Alabama schedule, and I'll I'll get Brady's thoughts whenever he gets back. Um, but you look at Alabama, they open with Miami. They have they go on the road to Florida week three. But here's the stretch for me. They go to Ole Miss. They're going to face a high-flying offense. Then they're going to go on the road to A&M. And they're going to go play the most complete team they're going to play that year or play this year. And then they're going to go on the road to Mississippi State. Okay, those are three completely different styles. If Mississippi State has a really good defense, a really good defensive coordinator, maybe not a really good defense, really good defensive coordinator, good defense. Mike Leach is the offensive coordinator. You play Texas A&M, a pro-style, physical, want-to-beat-you-up kind of game, and you're going to play Ole Miss at home before all that where they're just going to try to put up as many points as possible. To me, I, you, you look at this, Alabama has to, a new quarterback that got almost a brand-new offensive line. Alabama has a new coordinator. Alabama has a basically brand-new receiving core. That's going to be tough. It's going to be really, really tough. So we'll go. Th- we'll just go right through this. I think it's interesting. LSU's got a pretty good schedule. Um, that shapes up for them. They go on the road to UCLA week one, um, but they catch. They go on the road to Mississippi State week four, but they get Auburn at Kentucky, Florida after that. So that's going to be pretty good. Um, they go on the road to Ole Miss. That's going to be a tough game for them. 
and then they have a bye week. They go on the road to Bama, and then they have A&M at home to end the year. LSU looks pretty good there. If LSU um, could put some things together, they're going to be undefeated heading into that Alabama game, and there will be a nice 8-0. It'll be a big-time matchup in Tuscaloosa. Um, and they and LSU's got a chance. I think got a chance to be pretty good this year. So don't 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 count them out. And you know I you keep going down the list. And I, I think Florida's got a tough schedule. They got Alabama. They got Georgia. Uh, I forgot who else they have. But then the other one, and I'm glad we waited. I, I want to go through this with you real quick. Alabama, their schedule. I know you saw me tweet this out. Um, what do, what were your thoughts on that? They get they get they get they get a nice little sandwich in there. They go on the road to they they get Ole Miss at home, then they go on the road to A and M, and then go on the road to Mississippi State in back to back weeks. Brand new coordinator, brand new offensive line, brand new quarterback, almost entirely new skill positions, players. Like, are you confident they go three and zero in that stretch? Ole Miss gets Matt Corral back. They get almost all their offense back besides the uh, Yaboa kid that – Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and who else? They go Ole Miss. They get a three-week stretch this year where they go Ole Miss on the road at A&M and then get on the road at Mississippi State. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm confident. You're confident 3-0? Yeah, because I think we talked about this on last Thursday where um, when Alabama has had the year where they've replaced a ton – they've had to reload a ton of talent – they are still one game away from playing in the SEC title game. Like they, and it usually become it's usually the case of like Auburn's miracle year or Cam Newton had, sure. is, is there. Like something gigantic or LSU. You know, no one foresaw LSU becoming what they became a few year, two years ago. Um, so because of that, like I'll admit that that's history and that has nothing to do with 2021. But that's why I'm going to be like, no, until I am proven otherwise, I'm just going to assume Alabama is going to run that division. Sure, and, and I agree. Ole Miss is exciting, and it kind of reminds me of Hugh Frost, Ole Miss, in that they can Hugh Freeze or Hugh Freeze, Scott Mr. Frost, Frost, Scott Frost. Uh, okay, shout out Nebraska, who will get their ass kicked in a few months. Um, it, it reminds me of that era of Ole Miss, in that they can score a lot, and it gives them a chance on paper to upset Alabama. Mississippi State, I don't really know that much about. I'll be quite f- honest, but I would assume they were really I, good defensive coordinator. Like people will be shocked. Like Mississippi yep. State's defense is good. I I would just assume that a spring and an off season with Mike Leach being able to implement a system will do Mississippi State well. So if they're able to build off an okay start to the Mike Leach era, then you know that's going to be a tough out as well. And A and M, just like we pointed out on the last handful of podcasts. Until I know who's throwing the football for them, I'm not going to really think that much of them other than what I usually think about A&M in that, hey, they've got good talent, they've got a nice roster, but eh, I don't know what they're going to actually do with it. So LSU is the interesting one. You go on the road to Mississippi State, first SEC game, Brady. You get Auburn at home, at Kentucky, Florida at home, at Ole Miss, by week at Alabama. They should be undefeated heading in that Alabama game. LSU should. And that's going to be a lot of fun because those are the that lefty quarterback. That's speaking of Josh Heupel, that lefty quarterback from LSU's got a lot of Heupel in him. Uh, he's dumb enough to think that he can go in there and win. So that's going to be an interesting. I, I I'm down on Alabama. I don't think they make the playoff this year. Um, I sure right on me when it happens, but. Um, I, I, I don't – you look at that staff they put together with Bill O'Brien. I don't think he's a great offensive mind. He really wasn't that great as an offensive mind at Penn State. So, but Brady, we have to have this discussion. 
We have to have it. Why? Because their schedule's too good, too easy. That's why. Okay. <laughs> they go Kent State, Colorado, New Mexico, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Alabama at home. That's how Texas A&M starts the season. They're going to be damn 5-0 in a top-five matchup in College Station with a really good defense, a really good offensive line, good skill position players. No, I still don't know who's going to throw the football. But, frauds. Yeah, but still, again, they're – Can I just preemptively say it that they're just frauds? It's <laughs> – they, they have a favorable schedule. So listen to after Alabama. You ready? They go on the road to Missouri, South Carolina, Auburn, at Ole Miss, Prairie View, A&M. At home, great game, and then they get go on the road to LSU. That, how that would be the most A and M thing of all time. They have the greatest year they've ever had. They beat Alabama at home, and then they get beat by LSU at the end of the year and don't make the SEC championship game. That would be classic, classic if that happened. And I honestly, I would probably be predicting that to happen. I'm not going to sit here and say A and M is going to beat Alabama at home because I don't think that's going to happen, but. The, the idea that A&M could be 11-0 and then blow the season on the last game and then get beaten in the SEC championship game is delicious. Absolutely delicious. We've already gone over Georgia's Brady. They got Clemson. They go UAB, South Carolina, and then these are their games, the rest of their SEC games. At Vandy, Arkansas, at Auburn, Kentucky, Florida, Missouri, at Tennessee, Charleston Southern, and at Georgia Tech. You want to pencil in Georgia to make the college football playoff? Yes. I already have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, unless they have a catastrophic injury to – They'd have to lose to Clemson week one. I, I don't – I actually don't know what Clemson's going to be. I, I assume they they're going to They return a bunch of their defense, but – Their defense, I thought, was the weak leak of their team. Right? And their offensive line. Like, in, at all three levels. It wasn't just like they had a terrible secondary – or their linebackers were undersized. No, like their entire defense, in my in my opinion, to the standard that they've set for themselves, was rather underwhelming. And the last one I got for you, I brought this up. I think he's a good coach. I believe he's from App State. The Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri. They oh. were 5-5 five and five this year. Yep. Um, not good at SP+. They were in the 50s overall, which is not great in terms of, you know, how I look at projecting teams. Like, I want to see top 30 SP+. Plus. I want to see a favorable schedule, and I want to see, you know, a bunch of returning production. But listen to Missouri's schedule here. They go Central Michigan at Kentucky, Southeast Missouri State, at Boston College, Tennessee, North Texas, and then A&M at home. I mean, they could be undefeated heading in that A&M game. Should yeah. be undefeated heading in that A&M game. Yeah. That's, and then they go open date, so bye week. And then they go to Vandy at Georgia, South Carolina, Florida, and then at Arkansas. And they're playing that game against Arkansas in Little Rock, FYI. <laughs> Missouri Tigers, man. They got, they got the uh, Oklahoma is technically Texas Tech North, Missouri South, and Tennessee West. So, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that just beautiful? Well, we've got all off-season, Keegan. We've got all off-season to go through schedules. schedules. we got schedules, all off-season to start projecting. I mean, we could even have our own little official top 25 if we wanted to. Probably. Do we, do we think that highly of ourselves? Do we, you know, do we put a graphic out there on Twitter and then maybe put it on YouTube? Maybe. Maybe? Okay. Maybe. maybe. I'm, a, I'm an awful human. I know. I, I look ugly, so I don't know if I want to be on YouTube. <laughs> the... My my physical appearance it just 
the people don't want to see it. That's the best way I can describe it. Keegan, any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, I, uh, you know, I think we're we're at a point where Oklahoma may be adding one or two more guys. That's it. Um, you know, word out right now about Big Cat Bryant. We've been pretty steadfast on that though the last couple of weeks that if Oklahoma wants him, he'll be at Oklahoma, and it's been a matter I think of Oklahoma wanting him or not. And that's a guy that could be at Oklahoma for two years as well. So, and that's really important. Very sexy. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Inside OU podcast once again. Uh, also, shout out to Vanessa House, as always, for taking good care of us. Uh, shout out to friend of the pod, Joe Castiglione, uh, for sitting I do 10, know. 15 feet, feet away from us. What's up? He, he, do you want to say, so people don't freak out, he's been wearing a mask this entire time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very good guy, Josie. Smart one. He is a smart one. Other than that, everybody... Thank you all so much. We will be going through our rewatch of Iowa State All-22 on Saturday, which will be annoying but necessary for consistency's sake. Mm -hmm. So subscribe to the Patreon page. That is under the $5 tier uh, for those interested. Or if you just want uh, the podcasts that we do, both the Tuesday pod and then Keegan's little sit-down interviews that he's been able to accrue over the last two weeks with Mike Roach and Joshua Question, that's also in just the $4 a month pledge cheer. we we will be going over how oklahoma beat oklahoma state on our film friday very sexy very sexy all right everybody thank you all so much thank you for listening to inside ou drink vanessa house beer and be sexy <laughs>